So again, happy Father's Day. Today is a day that we want to honor fathers. We want to honor our Heavenly Father. And so we're going to do something a little bit different today, and I'll tell you about that as we, as we go forward. But I just want to read you a few scriptures this morning to, to get you to be thinking about what the Lord has to say about fathers and about, uh, about God as our Father in particular. And uh, just, to, just to share a couple of things with you, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, we're not going to have this on the screen, Justin, just so you know in advance. Um, it says, yet there is one God, the Father from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. And as we begin to look through Scripture, if you've seen things from Genesis to Revelation, we get to see a really awesome perspective on who God is. That's one of the things we need to continue to do is when we, we think about who God is, we say, does this match Scripture? Does this match what the Bible actually has to say? We think God is like this or like that. And one of the things we've tried to do as a church is to bring people back to what Scripture actually says. That this is, you know, the things the church has made important are not, but what the Bible says is. What is, is God graceful? Is God loving? What does he say about all these different things? And God as our Father is such a, an awesome perspective. It's such an amazing thing to think about. If you saw a video put on Facebook, it was just this thought about the aspect that we are able to be intimate with God, that we're able to be close to God. One of the fallacies in the world, I believe, is that they think that to, to be a Christian, to follow the Lord, to be religious is to, to serve this entity, if you will, that's, that's far away as if he is someone who's wound up the earth and us like a clock and set it alone and just took off. We have the opportunity to have a personal relationship with God and for God to be our Father. We have some, a passage of Scripture in Romans 8 that I want to read to you as well, and it says this. It says that, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So we are children of God. Believers in Christ are children of God. It says, by that spirit we cry, Abba, Father. And that Abba is this term of endearment. It's not saying Father, it's Daddy. It's this close term. Does anybody have any any close, what's the close term that you have for your dad or had for your dad? I know that all of us, unfortunately, are, are, our fathers are, are living. But is there a term? I'm just curious. It's audience participation here. It's okay to speak, not just one direction. Does anybody have, maybe, is it just daddy for some of y'all? What's the closest term you ever had for your dad? Daddy? Anybody else have another one? Just curious. You're like, I ain't sharing that. <laughs> Looks like you've got one and you're just not wanting to say bro, okay? Hey, but that's a cool thing. It's not father, right? I mean, now you have that respect for your dad. Oh, you're just kidding? 
But, but I mean, I don't see bro as disrespectful, but at the same time, it's, it's a cool thing because, you know, not everyone has that kind of relationship with their dad, that closeness. And we all, I think we all long for that, whether you say that out loud or not, but, you know, we want to be close to our fathers. And what's amazing is this God who created the heavens, the universe, all that we see says that I want to know you personally. I want to know you one-on-one. -on -one. And we begin to see what God is like as we read through Scripture. And, you know, he's very firm. He's very strict with things. But he's also very loving. He's also very graceful. And it's just where you think that, you know, the perspective the world has that God's just guy is just going to send down the lightning bolts, if you will. God is firm, he has standards, but he is full of love, and he's full of grace. One of my favorite stories, you know, comes out of Luke chapter 15, and I wanted to just read through it briefly, not necessarily preach on it, but the parable of, of the lost son, and it just says this, Jesus continued, and he, he tells this story, he says, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate, and so he divided his property between them. He's not even dead yet. You know, isn't that frustrating? Like, dude, son, come on, man. Really? And so he divides up his property between these two sons. And not long after that, to make things worse, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and says, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and it began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And the next part of this scripture says, when he came to his senses. <laughs> you ever had those moments? You know? You're finally at the bottom. When he came to his senses, he says this. He said, how many of my father's hired servants, just the, the people that work for my dad, have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And it says, so he got up and he went to his father, wondering, I'm sure, what his father would say. How would his dad respond to everything that he had done? You ever had those moments? Did something really stupid or foolish, squandered it all, just broke it, whatever it was, and you gotta gotta go back to dad. How's he gonna respond? And so he goes back home. Not after he just spent a little bit, he spent half of his father's inheritance. Like, how much deeper can you go? You blew everything. You screwed it up. You're at the bottom of the barrel. And it says this, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled, not with anger, but with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, you know, his prepared speech, he's kind of had been thinking through everything he was going to say. When I go home, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, kind of the check boxes in the mind. He says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, so amazing how the father responds. And the story, of course, is, is actually a picture about how God responds to us. And we can go deeper into the, all that, but we're not. But it says, the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. 
Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Let's have a party. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and, is, and it is found. So they began to celebrate. And it goes on with the story, but we have God describing himself as this kind of father that's full of love, that's full of grace. For those that have gone off and squandered, those that have gone off and have messed up, and they come back and there he is waiting and watching for them. Amazing, loving father, a good, good father as we sang about with that song earlier. That's just one aspect of who God is, and that's an incredible thing to think about this morning, that we can have a, a God that's our father that we have that closeness with, this love and this grace, this, this intimacy. One of the things that I love as well is this particular uh, passage in Psalm chapter or Psalm number 68, verse 5. You know, there's, we're all in different places in here as we sit here this morning. Some of us have a father that's living, some that have passed away. Just recently, I think about you, Jeff, and, and Diane, how hard today must be. And she's, Diane's in Charleston to be with her mom. She's going to help her through this time as well. We're all in different places. And one of the things that, that's, that's really cool about this passage is it talks about God's compassion in a different way. It says that he is the father of the fatherless. The protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Father of the fatherless. You ever think at times you feel so alone or you think I've got nobody? He is the father of the fatherless, the protector of the widow. He is always there. Such an amazing thing. It's not a God who's far away. He's a God who's close, a God who is near. What a great thing. This is the kind of father that he is. Now, I want to read another passage of Scripture to you this morning, and we're going to do something a little different today. And this comes, out of, I read this a couple of weeks ago, or a few weeks ago when we were talking about Mother's Day. And it comes out of Ephesians chapter 6. And it's the, the first commandment that God ever gives that has a promise attached with it. So if you do this, then this will happen. It's this, you know, corresponding thing. Do A, A plus B equals C, or whatever, however you want to do that in math, right? Children, it says, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. And he says, this is the first commandment with a promise. And the promise is that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Pretty awesome. Pretty simple, straightforward. Honor your father and mother, and it's going to go well for you. Because I've given your father and your mother to look after you, to train you up, to teach you the right things. And not all fathers and, and, and mothers are perfect, certainly, okay? But if you obey them, nonetheless, it's going to go well for you. Now, what I want to do today is I really want to do something that I don't see often done in churches. I just want to truly do what this day is about. Father's Day is about what? It's about honoring your father. Now, with what we've shared and what we've sung about, we're honoring two fathers today, okay? We're honoring our, our earthly father, and we're honoring our heavenly father. Now, what I want to do is really simple. I want to give you the opportunity this morning to honor your fathers, okay? Put it like that. Simply, what I want to do, I've got a mic right here. I want you to come up. Yes, introverts unite. Don't be afraid. I want you to come up and publicly give honor 
to your fathers, okay? You can simply come up and I just want you to share with me maybe something cool that your dad taught you that always stuck. Maybe a neat memory, positive memory about your father. Or if you want to just share an attribute about God that means a lot to you, you want to honor him in that way. You don't have to do both, but I want to give you an opportunity to come up and for us publicly as a church to take time to honor our Father. And so I'm going, to, I'm going to begin and give you the opportunity. I'll just kind of facilitate this a little bit. Don't be afraid, okay? But to put that scripture into action publicly this morning. Can we do that? You guys with me? Okay. So one of the things, and, you know, there's so many stories that I could share about my parents, but one of the things, and I've shared this with you before, that that's always stuck in my mind about my dad, and it's kind of the similar kind of aspect of grace here in the story, is that he said that, you know, I always had, ever as a kid, you got big aspirations to do a lot of things. My son Dennis, in particular, wants to be a chemical engineer. He is obsessed with chemistry right now. He is the only kid in eighth grade in his school that went ahead and checked out, which apparently was a high school chemistry textbook, first one ever, and read through the entire thing. He's like, Dad, give me something to look up. And I'm like, he's like, what's a chemistry problem to figure out? And I'm like, what kind of kid is this? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just like looking around, and you know, as things are, you're like, okay, I see this thing of deodorant on the counter. Why does deodorant work, son? What is it in deodorant that stops the sweat from running down your armpits? What is it? He's like, oh, good one. And so I see he's on the computer. He's just looking out stuff. He's writing down formulas and whatnot, you know. And it's like, well, it comes down. You know those silica packs that you get in, you know, different things to keep things dry? Well, there's silica that's in, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, whoa. But anyway, this is a pretty amazing dream and ambition that he has. And we lift up those things as parents and we encourage our kids and we want them to be all that they can be. But you know what? Sometimes, and I really think that he can do this. He's just got the passion and the knowledge and he's just a smart kid. But if he doesn't make it, am I going to be a disappointed father? Am I going to be like, son, you could have been so much more. You could have, you know, and, and some of you may have had those experiences with your dads and that's unfortunate. But one of the things that my dad told me was, he said, you know, son, I know you got big dreams, but you know what? No matter... You know, even if you're a garbage man, I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm going to be proud of you no matter what. That always stuck with me. I don't even know if he remembers even saying that or having the conversation, but that's how things are for us as kids with our fathers, right? There's, there's a special time that sticks out. There's a thing that he said that you remember that you never forget, that's something that's always kind of hung with you. Or maybe there's a, there's a passage of Scripture that the Lord has just really just built in your heart and in your mind that you want to thank Him for this morning. And I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to give you the opportunity to come and to honor your father. So who's first? You know, if, you, if your father's, you know, think about you, Jeff. If your father's passed away, share something still that he said, a great memory that you have. Let's just honor them today know where to start um, because I grew up in a Christian home it was confusing to me because I saw my parents argue a lot and um, we would go to church and then there would be those arguments and someone would call from the church and then immediately the smiles would come on the, the sweetness on the phone and then they would hang up and the argument would go <laughs> right back so I had some confusion but as I look back now 
my parents were very human and um Christians are not perfect and I guess that is what stands out the most I hope I can do this without crying um my dad was so full of compassion and so full of love for everyone um my dad I found out later in life he was so smart oh my goodness he grew up in he 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 grew up in a broken home and he um went to the best schools in New York with his where his he was with his mother but when he was 6 years old um he no excuse me when he was yeah when he was 6 years old he took a um a train by himself back to Winsboro because he wanted to see his dad so a 6 year old someone put him on the train and he rode the entire trip from New York by himself back to Columbia where he was picked up by his dad um when he had to go back to his mother he told finally told me the story of how his dad put him sat him in front of the train the train was coming in about 45 minutes and he said son I'm going to be right back I'm going to give you my hat so you'll know I'm coming back he never came back um he couldn't he couldn't tell my dad goodbye my dad had a rough time growing up but what I finally found out we always seemed to struggle financially but my dad was so smart he was an, he was an accountant and i finally found out later that there was a friend that he worked with and the friend had gotten in trouble for embezzling money and my dad took the fall for him and so it kept him from ever becoming a a certified CPA and so he chose to struggle to protect this person um long story short he honored my mother he loved my mother he made a lot of mistakes in his past but my dad always told me no matter what i love you you are human you will make mistakes um if you need me i am here but there is nothing that you can do that will cause me not to love you and my dad demonstrated the love of christ he had a he started a prison ministry at manning correctional institute that went for about 18 or 19 years every single thursday he was a lay minister in the methodist church um but I remember one thing that tore him up. He used to ask me to go get the mail. He would call me, and you take this and you put it under my pillow and you do this and you do this. He didn't want my mom to know the bills, the outstanding bills. He didn't want to worry her with that. And so later on in life, he apologized to me for doing that. I never knew anything was wrong with what he was doing. But um he was such a sacrificial person. He gave his he has given his whole life to try to exemplify the love of Christ. and um it just um, it just stands out to me that i made so many mistakes and it finally came down to i mean i i wasn't so bad but i i thought i was i thought i was horrible but finally i guess when chas was born and i realized a baby this is my child and no matter what he does i will love him no matter what he will make mistakes but i will still love him and it came full circle as the love that my dad had exemplified to me the entire time and then also the love of christ and there were times i had to punish chas because he was bad but i still loved him no matter what he did i still loved him and there were times i didn't have to punish him because it was he'd punished himself it was grace but um the love of christ is just no different only magnified more to infinity and beyond the love that i have for my child and the love that my father had for me and i have to give god all the glory because no matter where i've been no matter what i do even now i'm such a sinner 
he still loves me and picks me up and all I have to do is say I'm sorry for what I did and he will I mean he, he is it's it's there's hellfire damnation if I turn my back and blasphemy Christ or, or God but the love of God is just so unbelievable and I can't even put it in words to to let you know how my dad um, loved me that way and showed me that and I would like some prayers I haven't been here because I've been kind of helping out my mom and dad my dad just had um, tumors removed from his bladder so I would like all of your prayers I'm claiming God for his healing but um, I would appreciate your prayers he's been such a, a good and faithful servant so a lot of rambling no not at all <laughs> thank you for sharing that who's next don't hesitate why not uh, you guys want a funny story or a serious story about my dad? Not, you don't have time for both. <laughs> All right. So my kids have heard this a, a long time, but this is, this is a great picture of who my dad was. He died when I was 20. So. But uh, um, we had a cabin in northern Wisconsin. We lived in the city of Chicago. In the city of Chicago, if you've ever been there, even in the 60s, everything was lit up, even the alleys. So... Um, Brights, bright lights were not necessary on your car. And then, you remember the old, like, they used to have four headlights on vehicles. And two of them were your regular, and two of them were your, were your brights. So, I don't know how my dad got this idea in his head, but he decided that um, he would put airplane landing lights in the brights. Because when we drove to northern Wisconsin, where it's very dark, especially on the highways, because we would always drive up Friday night, um, it would be great because there's a deer, you know. So <laughs> my dad, uh, he, he uh, put, put them in, and they fit. That's the scary thing. They fit right in. He didn't have to change the wiring harness at all. He just took out the old ones, put in airplane landing lights. And, uh, and so we're driving, and we're, we drive. We leave on a Friday afternoon. I'm, I'm the only one with them. I think I was the only one with him. And we're driving, and we drive through Milwaukee, and we drive through tons of places. And finally, we get into Highway 45, just south of Anago, Wisconsin. And uh, it's where it's just two lanes, and it's pretty much a straight shot. And my dad, and he's excited the whole trip. He's telling me that he's like, this is going to be great, you know? <laughs> and, and, and if you remember, uh, back in the day, the headlight, or the, the high beam were on the fl was on the floor. It was a button on the floor on the left side. So my dad, I remember him going, you ready? I'm like, yeah, dad. He goes, click. And it's like, boom, it's daylight. It's, it's, it's insane. Like I can, to this day, I cannot even begin to tell you how glorious that was. If you, if you see, like, if you, if you see, uh, like, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas uh, thing, yeah, that, that moment, that's, that was my dad, you know, of just, and me. I'm like, Dad, it's beautiful. And he's like, great. And I mean, deer, I don't know what they would have done. It probably looked like a UFO. It was crazy. So we're driving along. It's great. And then way in the distance, we see a car coming because it was pretty much a straight shot. And my dad's like, okay, hits the button. Nothing. Nothing. And all of a sudden, my dad's joy turns into freaking out, um, saying words that I cannot repeat. Uh, not even, not only in church, I can't ever repeat them anywhere. Um, and uh, he's just jamming on that button with click, click, swearing every word. And he's like, he doesn't know what to do. And so finally he just turns the headlights off completely. Cause they, and then 
or it was a button or whatever, and then he pulls over the side of the road. And I'm, I'm serious, those poor people must have been slightly blinded, even though he, he reacted. So I don't know how he did it, but I think we just, he shut the car off, things cooled down, and he turned on the dims, and they worked, and so he was able to drive the rest of the way. So we go to that trip, we drive back the next time. The next time we go up, my dad's not deterred. He's like, he finds out it's a relay. The relay is blue because of the draw on the electrical system. So he's like, okay, I just need bigger relays. So he gets bigger relays. We go on the same trip, same place. He's a little bit more hesitant this time, but he's like, click. And he's like, it's daylight. And he's like, yes. And then he checks it, clicks it again. It goes off. He's like, oh, yeah, I got this now. He's so excited. <laughs> and and uh, we're going along. Then he turns them back on, and we're going along, going along. And another car comes, click, nothing. <laughs> it's just bright daylight, just everywhere. And he's, uh, he freaked out again. And, and we basically did the same thing. But I tell that story to say, my dad, like, I never give up. Like, I will, I will, if there's something to fix, when I get it in my head, I won't stop until it's done. For me to, to call someone to, <laughs> to actually get assistance, um, thank God for Google, because that prevents me. That doesn't count as calling for help if you Google it. So, um, uh, but yeah, my dad was, uh, that was my dad. That was a, uh, in a nutshell, yeah. So thanks. What a great story. Who's next? Okay. So speaking of not giving up, uh, my dad uh, was an, is an interesting character. Uh, so long story short, sort of broken home. Uh, so my parents split up when I was like 18, 19. Um, so it was one Thanksgiving just shortly after that. And my mom had moved into a different house. My dad still lived at the house we grew up in, but there wasn't much left there. You know, when you take the, the mom out of the house, it's just like we, all of us guys, it's going to go to crap, like the whole thing. <laughs> so the house itself had gone to crap. And, uh, but there were some wiffle balls and a, and a wiffle ball bat. Uh, and growing up, I'd, I'd always heard these like, tall tales and one of them was that he hit 44 home runs in a Dixie Youth season. Dixie Youth is like Little League here, uh, which that's crazy because there's like 13 games. So how do you hit that many home runs? It's a joke. But, I, but people like corroborated that like throughout Lawrence. And, you know, I'm, so, so me and my brother are there with my dad, and we're like, let's go throw the wiffle balls and hit the wiffle balls. So we go to the front yard, and I've got the wiffle ball. And I'm like, this old man, like I'm mad. Just like this whole couple years, so I fire it in there, and he's batting, and I like throw the meanest curveball I can throw with these wiffle balls, because you can throw a crazy curveball with a wiffle ball, and the old man <laughs> just crushed it, like 500 feet, just something stupid with that wiffle ball bat. So, <laughs> point being. The old man could still hit a curveball uh, because he just had to swing the bat. So, swing away, folks. That's great. Thanks, man. Awesome. I saw some other hands back there. Who's, who's, come on up, man. Yeah, thanks. Um, I got to see my dad yesterday. Um, let's see, at, at five, six, he was the captain of the football team, played fullback. M mean. Um, after, after high school, he, uh, despite several attempts to avoid it, he was sent to Vietnam as a, as a tunnel rat. 
which is one of the least desirable jobs of, of the military. Um, and, and that deeply affected him to, to this day. Um, and military life, when he didn't, he didn't stay in it. But when he came back, and I wasn't, I was, you know, I was, wasn't born before then, but everything has always been about doing the job the right way. And I love my dad a lot, but there were days when he would come home. He'd go out of town every week, traveling salesman. And when he came home on Friday, boy, that house had better be cleaned. And I mean precisely cleaned. It's just you do things. If you're not going to do it the right way, don't do it. And so that, that's, that's been my takeaway. He's been a huge encourager. He's a, he's, he's a great guy, and I, I deeply love him. But there were times where, well, that standard was so high. There was fear. There was fear in the house that, Oh, Lord, have, have we cleaned well enough? Does the lawn look good enough? And, um, you know, it, it, it didn't always feel like a great experience in the moment, but now everything I do, it, it gets done the right way. Um, so he's, um, he was a hard father. He's a wonderful grandfather. I love to leave my son with him. He's there now, and he's having a blast. Um, my dad has always worked so hard to make sure that our family was so well provided for. And um, so, uh, you know, uh, like all of us, a highly imperfect being, but a guy who loves his family, works so hard. And um, I'm just, I'm really happy to have grown up and, and, and been his son. So. Awesome. Who else wants to honor their dad? Come on up. Thank you. So growing up, I had a privilege of having two fathers, which was really nice. My parents split up when I was 15 and quickly met their significant others. I mean, within a year, my mother was with this man named Terry. Um, and then my, my father, who is with now is with my stepmom. They've been married for like eight years. So I got really lucky with that. And from that, you know, during that time, from 15 to 19, I, I lived with my mother because, you know, I wanted to live with my mom. She stayed in the area where I went to school at. So Terry kind of took over that role, that fatherly role for me. Um, actually didn't really talk to my dad for about four years. So he really stepped in and he gave up everything. He sold his house. He sold his motorcycle, his Harley, so he could provide for us. He gave up everything. And then um, when I was 19, he got diagnosed with lung cancer. He did die shortly after that. But one thing that he taught me through that, I mean, he was only in my life for five years. And uh, he taught me that, you know, family is everything. Like, no matter what you do, take care of your family. And then for my father, I call him Todd. That's his special name. Um, <laughs> he hates it. <laughs> Anyways, Todd is <clears throat> undoubtedly the hardest working person that I know. He is 52, and he still works around 65 hours a week. Um, he came from a very devout and very strong Catholic family, which means that they like to have a good time and then repent for it right afterwards. <laughs> but I heard my father say something, um, I think I was 18 or 19, and 
they had just moved into the house that he lives in still. And they had a bunch of friends over, and he was being loud and obnoxious. And I was like, Todd, what are you doing? And he was like, I'm never going to change who I am because someone else finds me offensive. And he's not a mean person. That's not what I mean. He's a good guy. And, you know, telling an 18-year-old girl that who's about to go to college, that was kind of big for me. It was like, you know, you're going to have people who don't like you, but that's their problem. The only thing you can do is be the best version of yourself that you can be. So that is my fatherly thing. <laughs> well, I just want to say my dad, who's been gone about 15 years now, was a, a great dad. And I didn't think I was going to cry either. But we, um, when I was about eight or nine, moved to a 240-acre farm, which is great. And, but unfortunately, my dad was saddled with four girls. He always wanted a boy. <laughs> so he made tomboys out of three of us anyway. So, but it was great because he taught us a lot. And I can remember, you know, we, we had to work like boys on the farm. But my, I always said my dad passed away, and I helped give one of the eulogies that my dad really wished that he was born in the 1820s because he'd go out and find all these antique things for us to try and use, but we used to churn butter, and you know, we always had to lift up the hay bales and all of that stuff. But, but I had a great life. I wouldn't have traded my childhood for anything. My dad was—he uh, was good. He would go out of his way for us girls. We all had horses, and he would—he bought a truck so we could do horse shows, and you know, he would spend his spare time helping us to do things that we liked. But I wanted to share what Lance was saying about Dennis. Last, Friday, last Thursday, we had a picnic at church at Pine Island. And I went to check my phone, which I left in the car, and this is a text I got from Dennis. Hey, I have a chemistry question that I'm hung up on, and I think you may know the answer. If not, that's fine, but it involves isotopes. So if carbon-12 has six protons, six neutrons, and six electrons, and is an isotope, an isotope has to be an atom that contains different numbers of neutrons, then how is it that an isotope because it's stable, and I thought that the average carbon atom has six neutrons and thought it wasn't an isotope, but carbon-12 has six, too. So in conclusion, is there only isotopes of carbon and no average carbon? If you don't know the answer, that's fine. <laughs> so, you know, he's thinking, I work in nuclear power, so what do I do? I get on Google and make sure I'm giving him the right answer. <laughs> but I thought I was just cracked up when I read that. That's awesome. <laughs> Have you ever seen Breaking Bad in that... If you've seen that show, there's that guy who like makes like the perfect coffee, you know, has the chemistry thing figured out where it's all smooth and there's no bitterness. We're gonna have to like give him a, a problem with the coffee and get him to dial it in. Although it is next to perfect, by the way. So that was funny. That's awesome. Who else? Who else want to give you an opportunity? Yeah. I think this is great, by the way. I just had to throw that out there. Um, my dad is uh, 72. He's still married to my mother. Um, I love my dad a lot. Uh, he had a very rough childhood. He was only two years old when his dad passed away, and his mother never remarried, so he grew up without a father. Um, he wasn't really treated as a, a, a loved member of the family. So by the time he reached adulthood, he had a really difficult time just coping with life. And he hasn't always made the best choices in, in how to cope. But I can honestly see how he lived, loved us and still loves us to the very best of his ability. 
um, my dad taught me uh, what it means to have a great work ethic. Um, he always worked very hard, but he also encouraged us to do the best that you can, no matter what it is that you're working at. Whether you love your job, hate your job, do your best. Um, and uh, that's something I, I gained from him. But he also was very protective of us. And um, I was bullied horribly when I was in high school, um, especially my freshman year. There was a, a gang of senior girls that just kind of set out to make my life as miserable as possible uh, to the point where I was scared to death to go to school every day. And um, my parents knew something was wrong and I finally told them what was going on and my dad was like, well, I'll, I'll go take care of this. And I'm like, don't, you'll just make everything worse. You know, I don't want you to deal with this. And so he was, he, he stood back at that time, but he told me a, a story later, you know, after I became an adult about how one of those girls who had bullied me went to his place of, of work to apply for a job. And um, this was a, a mill that everybody wanted to work for because they paid really well, and it was really hard to get a job there. Well, this girl walks in, you know, she probably just graduated from high school a year before, and um, my dad sees her, and he hears her name, and he, he looks her dead in the eye and says, I know you. My daughter told me all about you. And he picked up her application and threw it in the trash can and said, you will never work here. So, <laughs> you know, in a very indirect way, my dad got revenge, but, um, you know, I knew it was something he would rather have done early on, but um, he loves me to death and never fails to tell me that, which is um, something I so appreciate about my dad. Um, God, my father, you know, I didn't meet him until I was, well, I met him early on, but it was all you know how the story goes. You know, you finally realize that you can have a relationship with Almighty God, and it's incredible. Um, but I, you know, I've, I've learned gradually over the years that God the Father is perfect, and He never makes mistakes, and His love is constant. And I love the prodigal son story because that Father, just like God, forgives before we ever even know we're going to do something wrong. I mean, it's just, you know, I can so relate to the prodigal son saying, I've got to say I'm sorry and all this stuff. And the father never even acknowledges his sin. He's like, oh, you're back, and which is, which is God with us. So, um, so I love that about it. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, so we're, we're running out of time. I don't want you to miss your chance if you're, like, nervous and you're like, uh, anybody else? Yeah, good. Okay. You don't, you don't have to. Hi, I'm really bad at telling stories, so just bear with me, okay? Um, I had two older sisters and a younger brother, but I'm the youngest girl, so I was always labeled daddy's girl. You know, I was a spoiled one, whatever, but I absolutely loved spending time with my dad. I was homeschooled, so every time he had a day off or whatever, I would just, I would love spending time with him. Um, he loves baseball, so I would watch as many baseball games as I could with him. So going into my junior year of high school, um, I wasn't making the best decisions, and my basketball coach found out about some of the decisions I was making. And so I decided to tell my parents about it before my coach had the opportunity to. <laughs> um, so I went home. I was, you know, I was crying. I was so upset. And I confessed to them what I was doing. My dad looks at me. He's like, you know, you know I'm, I'm proud of you for telling us. You know, I'm sorry. You know, you're going through this. But 
know, I'm here for you. And then he looks me dead in the eye and goes, did you watch the game tonight? <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, you know what? And, but that just kind of reminds me, you know, of God's love. You know, if you confess your sins to God, I mean, he just, he forgets about it. You know, he's very forgiving God. And it just kind of reminds me of my dad and, you know, how, I'm sorry, I'm like studying my words. I hate public speaking. <laughs> but, um, oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, he just, I mean, I think subconsciously we kind of compare our fathers to God and you know, it just reminds me of that. You know, I, when I'm in school in Kentucky, I talk to my mom. I call my mom like three times every day, but I call my dad about once a week when I like really need to get something off my chest. I can hardly ever talk to him without crying when I'm away when I'm at school. Um, but it just kind of reminds me of God when I really need to talk to him. Like you know, I talk to him. I try to talk to God every day, of course. But you know, it just reminds me that my father is always there for us, God, and hopefully our real fathers. But yeah, I just want to share that story. Awesome. Thank you. We have one more. I'm not yeah. going to tell a father's story. I just want to give, give a thank you to God. I just, I just want to say that God's mercy in my life is grace. And I mean, it's just, I just cry sometimes when I think about it. But what I was going to say today is my son has two boys, and my son-in-law, um, they have a 10 week program. And I just want to say that I'm so thankful to God that my son and my son-in-law are godly I know that they're going to be fathers who bring their children up in the way that God wants them to. I am so grateful for that. Amen. Thanks, Edie. Last chance. Anybody else? I don't want to. Yeah. I'm probably going to see the microphone too. Okay. Sure. We're really worried about public. <laughs> but um, obviously, my father's here. And I'll be honoring you throughout the day, but I want to talk about God the Father for a second. And one of the things I noticed as I was listening to all your stories that I thought was really interesting um, was that in everyone's stories, they have these memories of their father that are really powerful and important in their lives. They're all aspects of God the Father, whether it be the notion of sacrifice or of a just protector or a wise teacher. And as a young father, that's a little overwhelming for me because that's, that's a lot to live up to. You know, but at the same time, I feel like there's there's some truth to that. That the best way we can be as fathers in our best moments is when we emulate God the Father, and that's something that I hope for in my own life. Um, also, just as a fun historical fact to make me less nervous, um, you mentioned that word Abba, and so um, I've been studying a lot of ancient Christian history and the uh, ancient Christian monks of the desert in Egypt, and they still do this today. They all refer to each other as Abba. They don't call each other brother. And so it's anytime you're speaking to another man in Christ, it's always Father, because we're always teaching each other. Wow. So that's just something that's awesome. I want to share. Thanks, man. Awesome. Wow, what an awesome day. I tell you, um, I want to make sure you have time to honor your father, so I'm not going to keep you here any longer. The fathers are like, I'm hungry. I want some steak. 